This is Channel 253 Sports. This week on the Flounders B Team Podcast. You know, an empty Kmart, mm-hmm. it's a really difficult thing to adapt to some other use. You know, yes, that's like a private thing, but like the community cares if their stores are empty for years and years. Mm-hmm. And even if a even if a private developer built the entire thing mm-hmm. and then closed town, now we have an empty stadium. Like There's what are we doing? Debt. What right. are we doing with this thing? <clears throat> yeah. So so I do think that there is a role debt. for the public yeah. to be involved in like these really big decisions. Mm-hmm. And in our second interview. I believe in the system now. I did then. I felt like Seattle could have been an MLS Cup winner, and they did. Mm-hmm. This year, I feel like they could get far in CCL, and I feel like they will. In 2004, 30 years after the birth of the Seattle Sounders, a crack podcasting unit was sent to prison by a federal court for a crime they didn't commit. These men and women promptly, well, eventually, escaped from a minimum security luxury prison camp to the Tacoma Underground. Today, still wanted by the Timbers Army for dropping trial in front of Jeltwin, they survive as supporters of fortune. If you need a hot take, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Flounders BT. Hey everybody, this is Steve and you are listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. We have a great show for you tonight. In studio, we have Andrew Hammond. How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. What you been up to this week? Uh, chilling, living life. That's about it, yeah. Possibly doing some XFL stuff. Ooh. We don't know. Uh, oh, a little project maybe on the yeah. on the horizon. Possibly, possibly. Right on. We won't hold you to it, but hopefully you get to do something exciting. I hope so. I've been waiting. <laughs> right on, right on. And of course, we have in studio as promised the podcast uncle. Can I call you that? Sure, why not? <laughs> Although not married to podcast on, uh, that'll work. I've also been called the Alec Baldwin of Tacoma Podcast. Uh, I just well, appear on all of the yeah, other shows. Well, so. maybe more of a it. Stephen Baldwin kind of uh, look. I don't know if I like that, but okay. Yeah, That's all right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go Stephen Baldwin. No? Alec's kind of like the normal one, isn't, isn't Who's it? the... Well, Alec, I mean, he's probably the richest one, right? Well, that's I mean, true. Yeah, I but mean, I don't think we actually said my name. I'm Eric Hanberg. Eric Hanberg, <laughs> the podcast uncle. That's right. Uh, Eric Hanberg's here because he has a special role, of course, with Metro Parks Tacoma. I've been on the, the board for the last 10 years. As such, he's got some unique perspective with respect to the stadium that is hopefully going into... Uh, into Tacoma near in the Heidelberg area. 19th and Stevens. Uh, 19th and <laughs> Stevens uh, by the headquarters there, uh, kind of between the Fred Meyer and the stadium, right? Uh, yep. Okay, super. Um, so there's a lot of uh, machinations that still have to happen before that occurs, but we're going to talk uh, with Eric this evening about that. Uh, we're also going to have later in the show, we're going to talk with Nico Moreno about uh, some of the new acquisitions on the first team, talk about some of the youth signings that uh, are going to impact the uh, Tacoma Defiance as well, um, and uh, just talk about the future of the Sounders in 2020. So look forward to that. Tim Hamilton will be joining us uh, remote for that when we when we talk with Nico. Hi, I'm Melanie Denise Cunningham. And I'm Audrey Cunningham. And we're the host of the Channel 253 podcast, What Say You?, 
This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation. We're here to remind you that the 2020 census is getting underway and that you, yes, you, should participate. That's right. I know people can get nervous when someone from the government shows up with the clipboard, but here's the truth. Participating in the census will help us get our fair share of representatives to Congress. It will help us get more federal funds to our community, improve our school districts, and many other things. And you don't have to be a voter. You don't have to be a citizen, even. In terms of the census, you count. Ten questions, ten minutes. Census day is April 1st. Fill out that form. Thank you to PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation for your sponsorship of Channel 253 and getting the word out about the 2020 census. We're, we're here to talk about the stadium, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Channel 253 first? Channel 253 is a local podcast network, podcasts about Tacoma and things that are interesting to Tacomans. Absolutely. And I'm interested in the the new stadium coming up, being a home for multiple teams, uh, being home for multiple uh, youth organizations, perhaps. Uh, I'd really like to get uh, kind of in your own words what what Metro Parks uh, feels the vision for uh, a new stadium is going to be. Yeah, I think that the first thing to say is is that um, it's not... It's there's almost certainly no way that we're Metro Parks is building a stadium like like that's not what we're trying to do. No, of course M- not. Metro Parks does not need <laughs> uh, a professional soccer stadium. Um, what what we started with is the situation that we ended up with when uh, Defiance and then eventually the Rain started playing at Cheney. Um, that was basically due to the good graces of Major League Baseball that said, okay, you can play soccer here. You can figure out. You can have a movable mound Mm -hmm. but if anything happens we're not going to let you keep doing it anymore pitcher gets injured and says it was because the mound slipped under me Uh let's say there's major league baseball could pull the plug on so if we want professional soccer into this and i should just say all of these things are things i've been told like i haven't read a contract sure like like this is my understanding of it all of this is my understanding of it uh if a pitcher gets hurt and says it was because the mound slipped under me, Major League Baseball could say, this experiment that you've been doing, it's over. Not so good. No more soccer at Cheney. So if we want it, if we want to keep professional soccer, it would be at its own stadium. So that's the first thing. So that started a process between the city, the owners of what they're calling the the you know uh, the soccer club of Tacoma, um, and Metro Parks to figure out, okay, is this something that could actually work? And that was a feasibility process studying, can a stadium work? Mm-hmm. And then the other part of the process said, you know, between Cheney Stadium and 19th, where you would likely build a, a soccer stadium, there's a lot of land. Like, it's just sure. empty parking lots right now. Mm-hmm. What if there was, let's just call it a sports village of some kind mm-hmm. that helped uh, support those with maybe hotels, restaurants, bars to go to after the game, housing maybe even, like all sorts of things in a sports village. So then there was a feasibility study at part of that. There was also a feasibility study on like, we're going to lose some fields. This is Metro Parks because, you know, Heidelberg Field is right there. Mm-hmm. Can we replace that? Can we add more soccer fields so that we can support Tacoma youth who want to play, like the, big, right. the, the, the people that they see? So there's a feasibility study on that. The basic thing is to say, 
all of that came back and said, yes, all of this is feasible. Uh, you need $60 million to, to start 60, your okay. state. Yeah. So that was the number where I was like, holy cow. And that's when I'm Googling, like, how much did Safeco cost? <laughs> 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 Which is a lot more, to be clear. Oh, absolutely. Um, but still, I was like, is, is, does this make sense? I was really surprised by that. Um, it's a five... If, uh, so so here, I'm going to transfer into, let's just say it's all built. Let me yeah. just describe like, what, does what it, look what like? it all What's looks the... like. There's a 5,000-seat <clears throat> professional soccer stadium, pretty close to 19th and Stevens. There's a supporter's green of some kind right next to that. Okay. That that has a place for the you know people to congregate, that has, you know, whatever. Um, so big supporter's green big stadium it could flex to seven thousand during a playoff or something like that but pretty okay. much let's just okay. say five thousand okay. uh as part of the stadium uh assuming that this all happened there would be a hundred days of rent-free use uh for the field by metro parks or the city if they want it is so that on, on an annual basis that or? would be a hundred okay. days a year okay so okay. imagine um that you know the metro parks after school soccer program that's amazing could have like, like you build it in such a way that, that you could divide the soccer stadium into four okay four mini soccer mm-hmm. fields, mini soccer fields okay. and suddenly like you have like a, a really nice uh place for a little tournament or right, something. right sure right. so that's a really cool thing also assuming again assuming this all happens um then you have the sports village there's, there's, as I said, maybe there's some housing. The number I saw was like 500 some on units of housing. Multicare is interested in having a facility there that's like focused on sports, sports medicine. Okay. They mm-hmm. could actually maybe even help with the team somehow, I've heard right. is an idea. Um, University of Washington Tacoma is interested in having a sports management education program. Again, housed right there. Totally makes sense. You've got yep. two, two of these uh, places right next to it uh, that they could actually learn on the job. So you have all of this stuff happening, um, and none of it really happens without the stadium. Right. So that right. that's kind of a, a long-term vision of what this could look like. It's on a transit line, you know, in theory. Uh, Sound <laughs> no Transit has, has passed, you know, the funding for the link to go down. I, I don't think anyone has said for sure it's 19th, but most likely it's 19th because sure. it's so wide. Right. Um, so most likely you have a link light rail that goes right by there. You have the need for a lot of density in Tacoma, and you have a place right there with like, there's no neighbors, like like you True. know the complain, like you're just adding people into a really great spot. Sure. Um. So a lot of a lot of benefits that could come from it. I think there's not even a, a, a decent bar, uh, within nope. like five blocks. Would... Yeah. I, don't I know mean, where... I mean, and, and that's unfortunate for people to go to Cheney. It's, exactly. You know, right. You know, and and you have to drive if you're leaving Cheney. Like like there is, I guess, the Scott Pier- uh, Scott uh, Pearson Trail. Um, if you want to bike, mm-hmm. I've done that once. Uh, it's not the most pleasant you know, going by 16 <laughs> there. Like, like it's it's a it's a commute kind of trail. It's not yeah. like a leisurely let's go for a bike ride kind of thing. Right. Um, so it would it would be a really nice mixed use development. The the land. So where Metro Parks comes in and the city come in, mm-hmm. it's it's public land. Um, so this is land that is some combination, depending on how you cite it, that's owned by the city or Metro Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, those fields and those parking lots all kind of have this weird mishmash of ownership between the the different organizations. Uh, is the school district involved in that? The school district has Foss High School, and they don't have anything outside. Oh, okay, so they don't okay. have any of those lots. They don't have any okay. of those any of those lots, um, and they're not one of the players at the table. Okay, um, so it's really a decision that the school, uh, excuse me, that the parks board will have to make, that the city council will have to make. Um, is this a justifiable use of public land? Like, that's right. the question 
that's now before us. And so, so just to catch you up now that, now that mm-hmm. we kind of said that's the vision, the process is, is that those organizations, the city parks and the soccer club of Tacoma have been negotiating for at least a year, basically. And what they've come down to is what they're calling a letter of intent. They want the council and the Metro Parks Board to sign a letter of intent. It's not binding, mm-hmm. but basically it just says these are the general parameters of how we think this will work and how our negotiating, we all acknowledge each other's negotiation uh, points. Um, and so we're going to be asked to sign that at the end of February or early March. Okay. And that's what really kicks off the public process. So right now it's all been small groups of people negotiating. That's when the public process starts. And basically that's when we go to Tacoma and say, is this something you want? Go to Tacoma as voters or we go, is there a, um, yeah, that's, so a, that's a really good question. The, the, yeah, the, the big thing is always going to be, how do you fund the thing, right? right? $60 million is a lot of money and yes, I understand from, uh, what happened uh, last week uh, that uh, the, the, that there's there's several pots that we're looking at. So so <laughs> the highest commitment right at this point would be the soccer club of Tacoma at 18 million. Mm-hmm. Next would be the city of Tacoma at 15 million, yeah. and Metro Parks at 7.5. 7. Okay. Um, but as you might guess, doing the math <clears throat> that doesn't get you to 60 million. It's a little shy. Right. A little shy. So that leaves <laughs> uh, something like 19 million, I think, or is it even more? Uh, but basically, it leaves um, the pots of money that they're thinking about would be there's a, a program called New Market Tax Credits, mm-hmm. which is a federal program where you can um, private investors can get tax free, guaranteed um, investments mm-hmm. at a certain fixed rate. Um, and in fact, that's what was used to partially help fund uh, the Eastside Community Center. So it's been used here in Tacoma. Okay. So that's one possibility. Um, another possibility would be, so when the state, this, I, I didn't quite get this. It took me a while to understand it. When the state built uh, the two stadiums in Seattle, mm-hmm. they used a sales tax credit thing, where basically what they do is they draw a box around the stadiums, and they say all of the stadium, all of the sales tax credit all of the sales tax earned within this box, the state collects, but then gives to fund stadium construction. Okay. Which so so what you end basically you 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 bond it. Yeah. Is, is is I guess I would say how that works. So the state is giving up revenue, in the sense the state is giving up revenue in the sense that like they're not collecting from the stadium. And they're putting that revenue back into a something that funds the construction of the stadium. Under the theory that I think is a, a fair one, that you wouldn't be collecting this revenue if there wasn't a stadium there to generate all of that income right. uh, sure. sales tax. So the state might be tapped. And since they've done this twice into, in Seattle, there's a decent argument, again, that maybe you should also help out other cities besides Seattle to do things like this as well. Okay, that that does make sense. Uh, 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 the the bond structures can be a little convoluted uh, for yeah, the average reader. New, new, new market tax credits <laughs> right. is I, I I trust me the gloss I, on that one. That I, gave I you. did some reason I, I did some reading on this and and how I understand it is uh, basically the federal government will 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 grant through a tax credit additional funds that that basically these companies that are are sponsors for further loans they're it's, basically yeah they're basically loan guarantors it's it's a but it and it, what it boils down to is 
private money going to private money in this case the, mm-hmm. the soccer club of tacoma who is the loan guarantor so like mm-hmm. it's more private money even though it's called a tax credit because mm-hmm. it's through through uh authorized by the federal government it's still private money is mm-hmm. is what i would say so what you end up with is a, it's just tax privileged private money yes a you end up with a what i would consider to be at least a fair balance between public and private it's not um, as terrible as uh, some of the other stadiums where it's like all private and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that backwards, you know, where it's all public and then the private owners just reap all of the benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not, it also in, it recognizes that there's some public benefit that comes out of it. It is public land. Um, so there's, there's that upfront money from Metro Parks from the city. After that, the 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 negotiating position that everyone has agreed to, assuming that everyone signs this letter of intent, is is that any overages over sixty million covered by the soccer club of Tacoma. Um, if we can't find, you know, so so all of these things. That was literally are, the next question in yeah, my mind: are, are was what are you going to do about Seattle's way, two favorite words, cost overruns? <laughs> hopefully, set up in a way. Um, uh, and and these are the things that I will be looking for when I you know when it eventually comes to a vote, mm-hmm. um, so that the public is helping to get something happen that maybe wouldn't have otherwise, but also is not going to end up being on the hook. So some of the other qualifications uh, in what what we're looking for, um, the debt service would be funded by the Soccer Club of Tacoma. Um, the debt service be, against uh, against the any bonds that might be issued. Uh, the debt service against like like for example like uh if you were going to do the the sax sales tax thing i think that's a that would be technically debt because it's okay. a bonded yep. sales tax revenue um that there would be labor so labor would be involved so you'd have unions involved uh and that there would be uh i'm going to just read this one soccer club of tacoma must <laughs> guarantee through a lease or other agreement that there will be a professional soccer team tenant for the life of the facility okay so that's and, the other part of that as well that i know i'm sure you know, why build this if you can't have a professional soccer team? So basically, we've got a, a stadium and uh, accoutrement, right, uh, related to that, including housing, which I'd like to get into a little bit. But uh, that Metro Parks will have, uh, you know, control, rent-free control over for uh, 100 days a year. Not of the control field. Of, of the, the field. field itself. We could rent the field. Okay. For free. And uh, to, to, to facilitate parks programs at a cost to the park district, Metropolitan Park District, of $7.5 million, full stop. And this, uh, and this 100, 100 days a year is in perpetuity? Uh, for the life of the facility. For the life of the facility. Okay, that sounds like a pretty good deal for, for Metro Parks. That's pretty cool. And, and, then, and then the city gets uh, some pretty significant based on the feasibility study, uh, economic benefit from th- the field where, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's added tournaments that come to town. There's sure. the tourism that comes to town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was estimated, I want to say, at like $40 million over the life of the facility, um, which is some of that, you know, I, sometimes you you get to magic <clears throat> numbers when you're talking about things like that. <laughs> um, it's like throw a dart and see what the number is. Yeah, but right. in general, so I, I did work at the Convention and Visitor Bureau of Tacoma back in the day, and I know how the sports tourism marketing works and i know how the regular tourism marketing works and like it really is an amazing way to like boost revenue without mm-hmm. raising taxes like it's it's a pretty powerful uh, system i was gonna say because I, th- I think one of the things that would probably help is moving some of the state soccer tournaments 
to this facility in a few years mm-hmm. where you can kind of get some of that money back pretty mm-hmm. easily through that. But, and, and I did mention, you know, Tacoma's look. So so we want to make sure that part of the other ones is, is the Metro Parks doesn't want any net loss of available fields. That was part right. of it as well. And so we there are fields on this that would have to be relocated. But we already have in Tacoma a field shortage uh, that, that we don't have enough fields. And so we are doing concurrently this thing said a, a sports area for Metro Parks would be viable. So separate from this now, we've kind of separated it out. We are doing feasibility studies on where could we site uh, six to eight soccer fields in the city of Tacoma and create a, a place for that as well. And so when you have that, plus then you have the 100 days, mm-hmm. suddenly you could get a really big tournament because you, oh, right. you could program mm-hmm. them, you know, all those fields at the same time. Yeah. So what does siting for that look like then? Are there um, there, big available spaces floating around? There's been, so they've checked out, uh, they checked out even uh, literally the dump um, to see if you could do it there. (laughs) But it is still a dump regardless of whether it's open green space or not. So I I think that one's pretty low right now. Moderately um, unattractive. They, they are looking at, at uh, <laughs> like, like uh, but it would be reasonably adjacent to. It'd to, be reasonably adjacent, yes. exactly. It, yeah, it is I right mean, there. That's one yeah. of the reasons why they were thinking of that. Uh, they were also looking at like Mount Tahoma, okay. I think, okay. uh, which has some land around it that yeah, they, they, they could figure there. out how to use. Yeah. Um, and then they're looking at there's actually pretty big space around. Um, TCC has a big area that they oh, don't think that they're yep. ever going to necessarily use. Right now, it's kind of some trails and wetlands. So okay. if we were going to, you know, do that, we'd have to make that, sure we we're mitigating wetlands or something yeah. like that. No site selected. We're starting a public process to figure that out. But those are the if you want to keep them together, those are basically some of the very few places left that have enough land that you could do that. Does um, uh, this is kind of a, a, a kind of esoteric, but does uh, uh, I know Tacoma Public Utilities owns land all over Western Washington. Uh, for for dam sites and and that kind of thing. Does Metro Parks have any holdings outside the Tacoma city limits? Bizarrely, yes, we do. Okay, it is Northwest Track. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. That is that is that, our, I did that know. is our our only. Uh, there might be something that's like literally right on the border. Um, we have like, like some parks that are right on the border with the county, up <laughs> in like Browns Point or Dash Point area. But okay. basically, basically, we are a district of the city of Tacoma, so our boundaries follow the cities, with the exception. Of Northwest Track. So if we're talking about that that seven point five in the the briefing that I saw or the the summary that I saw uh, for Metro Parks, and I know that's that's what you're speaking on. Uh, that seven point five million was going to be paid upfront cash. It, would that just be straight out of the endowment with a discretionary budget that Metro Parks has the authority to spend, or uh, uh, how would that be be funded or replaced, or what does that look like? So. I'm I'm going to get a little wiggly on you here. That's fine. No, I mean, I know <laughs> I, it's I early. You I, gotta... I don't I don't think anyone can say for sure. Okay. What I what I have mostly gotten from staff is assurances on where it won't come from. It won't come from budget line items where suddenly like we're canceling youth soccer programs oh, for you know, <laughs> right. Like, like, right. like there, there's a long counterproductive list of that, yeah. that it won't be coming yeah. from. Um, I I do know just in terms of like general possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could figure out how to, maybe there's some of it in reserves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any kind of endowment or anything like that, but maybe there's something in reserves. Um, there are ways where you can bond uh, revenue in ways that, mm-hmm. that you know, let's say, um, and again, I'm speaking entirely in hypotheticals, but sure, let's, sure. Say, let's say we, we don't uh, 
turn over the land, but we rent it to them mm -hmm. and we bond that or something like that. Or maybe we bond some other sort of revenue that comes out of it. We've done this before where like sure. the revenue from the golf course was bonded to improvements for the mm -hmm. golf course, things like that. So may, there's, there's some options like that. Um, I have not seen any specific answers. And I think that what staff would say is, is we want to make sure that the board wants us to actually do this letter of intent before we start really getting into that. I believe the city would do something from reserves if they were doing it. Um, they have more in reserves than we'd have because they're a lot bigger than we are. So that makes more sense. Um, but that's my, my set. I don't know as much about the city side. Gotcha. And, and through, throughout the process, uh, and, and I kind of wondered about this once uh, we started getting, cause I kind of got introduced to the process during, during the summer. And I, I had wondered about Foss high school because it's kind of, it's tucked in, perfectly but at the same time it's like everything around it there's always something going on and 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 have wondered about their uh their i guess cooperation throughout the process because you said that they really don't have anything to kind of do with the feasibility study or whatnot but um just how have they been as a partner and knowing that all this is going around them and have they been able to or have they been willing to maybe you know help out with that and and bringing it there uh i have not heard anything official that I would say, well, I heard this and, the, and, you right, know, so, right, right. but at the same time, uh, I'm hearing that they are, that, that there's not necessarily opposition. Gotcha. Um, okay. I think, you know, in the same way that we have really interesting, um, schools, you know, like, like, uh, not only the ones that we think of like Sammy and soda and idea, but like there's, there's things like that all through the system. For like, sure. You know, my sure. kids are at Grant elementary school, which has a, an arts you know, focus. Mm -hmm. um, Jason Lee Middle School has a movement and athleticism focus. And so perhaps F Foss could say, well, you know, like, look at these two giant stadiums near us. Maybe there's something that that, that informs. Right. right, um, right. But I don't, I don't want to speak for the school board and say that that's. Okay. But yeah, th it seems to me like there could be some potential. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But uh, at this point, none of the plans have touched on their land. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, one thing that, that seems absent from this, and maybe I'm just missing it on a close read, is uh, is the role of Olympic Lyonnais in this process. Um, when, uh, when we were at the press conference uh, where they were announcing the acquisition of Rain FC, I asked, uh, asked uh, Jean-Michel Ola what the plan was for their involvement with the stadium, and his direct response to me was, it's part of the deal. Um, there were no details really on, on what that looked like and how that's structured, but to your understanding, uh, is, is OL's, uh, partnership with this, um, limited to Predmore's investment or what does that look like? Do you have any, any thoughts I, on that? All I know about is the soccer club of Tacoma LLC. <laughs> um, and, and Which I is would the suspect, only business in it. Yeah. I would suspect that, that if there is some plans that i don't know about i would not hear about them okay. so so um i can't speak to that because i i just don't know it's it seems to me i'm just gonna float this out there that building this stadium for defiance without the rain is overbuilding it I agreed think, is that fair <laughs> yes so, for the moment so, so yeah. that's something that that as an elected official i am cognizant of because i don't want to overbuild 
mm-hmm. if they're leaving because then maybe it only costs 20 million instead of 60 million right and um, and i just want to stop you there there's no indication that they're leaving I, so I, far right not that I, right. I, I and again if there were i would not be the one to know cause... right 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 <laughs> i just don't want to i just don't want to 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 freak out any I listeners that. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> eric hanberg said it <laughs> I, I do think if if as I said, as I kind of started this, and I don't think that I'm—I don't mean this as like a, a th- that they're threatening this or anything like that. But if we don't build this, they're going to look for somewhere else where they mm-hmm. can get their own soccer stadium. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, because of the the issue, I think that's present from Major League Baseball primarily that that there, there's a sense that this is a tenuous way to play on a, on a baseball diamond. Um, uh, so, I, I and 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 I will also say uh, so so with my political hat on. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to think that this is a done deal by any means. No, certainly not. Um, Metro Parks, uh, some commissioners have some pretty serious reservations about it, possibly because it could involve actually selling uh, land to the city. Now, Mm. selling for like zero dollars. Like, here's the land. But title passes. Um, But title passes, and that by state law requires a unanimous vote, which means any parks board commissioner who really doesn't like it it could veto that park. Um, The city, uh, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the city. There's a lot of pressures. Every fifteen million dollars has someone who wants that fifteen mm-hmm. million dollars. Um, so I don't want anyone to think that this is a done deal, um, and it's all just going to happen because I think it's going to take actually a lot of work to get to have happen. So big numbers. Uh, how much are you working with in your budget? How much is in your endowment? And and what percentage of your annual budget or your decennial budget would seven point five million dollars represent? Um. So the Metro Parks uh, biennial budget okay. is, uh, I think, 50-some-odd million. That's a mix of property tax, sales tax, and earned revenue. Okay. We're actually pretty entrepreneurial uh, in the sense that like, we get a lot of money from fees for youth sports, you know, community gardens. Like all, we, we actually take in a fair amount of money for the services that we provide. Right. Okay. Uh, some, some services are community benefit and they're charged very like well below market, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, but some like adult kayaking lessons are, don't have a community benefit. So those are charged like much <laughs> higher. Um, so we, we have that. Then you add in uh, like the zoo and track are part of their own fund. Uh-huh. Those are of course, pretty big operations a million people went to zoo and trek last year um and then you add in the capital budget thanks to the uh 2014 vote which authorized 190 some odd million dollars for metro parks um that funds community uh projects around around the city um so we have that budget on top so when you look at 7.5 it's like well what percentage of that are you looking at we usually have somewhere between like five and ten percent of our uh our annual budget in the bank at any time but that's i mean what that's like your 7.5 months mm-hmm. right there um so we would probably want to figure out some other places to pull that from just besides that that makes sense uh but uh if you're if you're dealing with fields that you have for 100 days and you're you're dealing with tournaments you're going to get get fee revenue <clears throat> there's, based there's, on that almost right. immediately right and, and think about it too in the <coughs> sense of like like we are so strapped for fields that like like I hear from residents like, well, you know, why can't our park have a bathroom, mm-hmm. let's say. And their park maybe doesn't need a bathroom for just regular use in the sense of like mm-hmm. it's only people who are there for less than an hour. They walked there. They can walk home. They can go to the bathroom. Right. But when you're so strapped for fields and you're like, we need that park for its two soccer fields and we're going to schedule all day games with kids there. 
then like you really really need a bathroom right mm-hmm. but there isn't one and so so when we can start looking at it in that systemic way where it's like we need to figure out how to get relieve the pressure on these neighborhood fields either a get the funds to build them the bathroom mm-hmm. or b uh, figure out how to relocate these things back to something that makes more sense that maybe could generate revenue uh, from concessions from whatever 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 um, so there's interesting options that, that we are exploring uh, to figure some of this stuff out it's all it's all does work together somehow. <laughs> it, it, it's a it's definitely an ambitious project and uh, a big budget project that's going to get a lot of attention uh, at the city level, at the at the park district level, and uh, maybe even nationally. I don't know. Can you share whether or why you think a public-private partnership is the right kind of model for a facility like this, and what that looks like, and and, and why it makes sense? Um, well, here's what I would say. If, 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 if private were going to build it, then like, just go build it. Like, like, I, right. you know, Absolutely. You know, I'm not, but there are places where public land, um, might be put to a higher use. And I think that there's something to be said for trying to balance risk to the public. Um, do you want Metro parks? If you want a stadium, like, great. Do you want Metro Parks in the city to operate a stadium? Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's a really, really high risk thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. But if we have a pub, if a private partner says I'm willing to take that risk in exchange for the money, that's not a terrible thing. Like like I don't know the life of Cheney Stadium that well, like mm-hmm. the history of Cheney Stadium. But I would guess that over that time, there's been a lot of different operators, and some of them have made money, and some of them have lost money. Um, but over all that time, it's been a pretty good asset for the city of Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And so and if you look at it with that lens, like that's a pretty good deal. Like, you know, we will help build this thing. Um, they take the risk. They get the rewards of the risk, but they also have the risk. Um, and maybe we get the thing that catalyzes all these other developments. I mentioned, you know, the, the, the things that might happen in the sports village. You also have the possibilities of like University of Washington, Tacoma, multi-care, all these things happening. That stuff doesn't happen if you don't have the catalyst to do it. So I think that that's a pretty interesting combo. It's like, you know, one and one and one is six kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, uh, That's one thing that I've just kind of throughout the process and just kind of watching things uh, go on uh, in the future. And maybe I'm going a little you know, too forward in the future, but uh, will there be possible uh, what are town halls on this? Yeah. That, so, so again, uh, I, I should have mentioned this. One of the other parts mm-hmm. of this, of this uh, LOI is a robust, uh, what do we call it here? Full and transparent public process. So this LOI, this letter of, of intent kicks off the public process. Okay. okay. Um, I would expect that there will be many, listening sessions city council meetings metro parks meetings mm-hmm. where we will hear from the citizens uh, and that would include surveys that would include all of these uh all of these different things which metro parks i really feel like is really really good at we are mm-hmm. really good at this public process um so i think it's something that that i i i i know when things are are going well in that so i'm going to be watching for that uh yeah I was going to say, and, and throughout this process, have have the public, whether you know you just throw it out there to them, or have they come to you? Just how has that process been in the lead up to it? So, you know, all of a sudden the LOI kicks in, and then now you're all of a sudden hearing people saying, "Oh, maybe I don't want this." So, mm-hmm. how how was 
been yeah. gauging that over the last few months been for you That's guys? That's a really good, really good question because you know when when the initial word of this uh, was published in the Tribune, uh, it was like you know three hundred million dollar project, <laughs> which. You know, like, like, yes, if you add up the cost of the village that we're not building, the private developers building, like, maybe it is a $300 million project. Um, but, like, that's not that's not it. And so so I had this sense that, like, I there was there was a lot of skepticism early on. Right. Um, and why aren't you doing something else with this money? And all of these big questions, which makes a ton of sense. Um, and so I really see the, this letter of intent process as like, here is something to actually react to. Like, it's not just, do you like the idea of a stadium? Because some people will say yes and some people will automatically say no. But like, right. if you can actually say, do you like the idea of Metro Parks spending $7.5 million and maybe selling this land of the city to do this? That's a clear, concrete question that you can ask mm-hmm. someone. Um, and that's the kind of question that I am very curious what the answer is. Yeah, honestly, I feel like it, it felt like I don't want to say it felt like kind of a scare tactic, but when somebody's <laughs> reading that and they aren't on the up and up of what's really going on, they're like, oh, they see the number and it kind of, yeah. it, it makes them think it makes a little it look, bit. think that the city and Metro Parks are going to spend $300 million. <laughs> right. It's right. Like, no, we're really, yeah. really not. We're really not. And Safeco Field was uh, $517 million. At the time, I think that was the most expensive uh, stadium or something. It's In, been, uh, yeah. yeah. And and there there have been folks that have, have talked about the stadium being a, a, a boondoggle and it's it's triggered taxes and it has uh, for maintenance of the stadium. And uh, just recently, the the Mariners threatened to leave town if uh, if the city didn't pitch in for uh, for maintenance updates with the stadium uh, because the Mariners couldn't afford it because nice their they, product sucks. If they pitched in and got some better <laughs> pitchers. <laughs> that would be super. And 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 so when when people think about public funding, there's often this kind of this boondoggle kind of idea. Um, and uh, I, I think in sharp contrast to that, uh, Nashville Soccer Club has recently ha- entered into agreements with the city of Nashville to build a stadium and to have the whole economic development around it be subsidized by the team. 100% of the public money has been foregone by uh, the owners of Nashville SC just so they can get this darn thing done. Yeah. But at the 11th hour, uh, Nashville tried to zone them out of one little chunk of, of the land near a fairground that they were going to build this thing on, and and in my mind, that's kind of the opposite of the of the the boondoggle situation, right? Where uh, all of the risks all of the risks uh, land on the private party, and there are going to be folks that will say that's maybe that's fair. This thing can go many many directions. I think is my whole point. Yeah, I I, I think that that for something of this magnitude, it makes sense to have some public involvement um, mm-hmm. I, th- this is your your example made me think of this is a very small thing but uh, i'm going to make an analogy to it some people will argue that like big box stores if you're going to build a big box mm-hmm. store uh, with all the parking that's required in the big box store when you build that you should put money down at the city that will pay for its demolition should it be empty for a certain length of time mm, because right. they are really yeah, difficult yeah. to adapt to another use like Agreed. once you you know an empty kmart is a really difficult thing unless you're going to find some other retailer to go right. in. Mm-hmm. It's a really difficult thing to adapt to some other use. And so if you think about it, you know, yes, that's like a private thing, but like the community cares if their stores are empty for years and years. Mm-hmm. And even if a even if a private developer built the entire thing mm-hmm. and then closed town, now we have an empty stadium. Like There's what are we doing? Debt. What right. are we doing with this thing? Yeah. So so I do think that there is a role debt. for the public yeah to be involved in like these really big decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
uh, Brazil's a good example. Yes. Of this. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's the Olympics. Don't get me started. I would, on that. Say, well, I would say I had Beijing and Athens in my head, and I'm just like all those empty <laughs> I, I'm gonna use stadiums. This platform. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use this platform. I want I want all the summer games to be played in Athens. Yes. And I want all the winter games to be played in the same location. I don't actually care where that one is, but choose a location <laughs> and go Make back there every four years. Just don't do it in don't, Sochi. Don't keep, <laughs> don't keep like rebuilding these things because it bankrupt. It yeah. almost bankrupted Greece. Mm-hmm. Yep. It caused riots in Brazil. Yep. Like, and not to mention the economic or the and environmental degradation Beijing, of doing it. Beijing and, had so many issues, like like, like human rights don't, abuses. Don't yes. do these things. Keep it in the same place and do it Athens because they started the Olympics. Right. They get it. They get sure. the summer. Keep the summer there. Right. Fine. Uh, and I don't know where New the Parthenon. Let's go. But yeah. come on, this is a this is a waste of our money. Well, and we, when you were talking about that, I was just getting this image of the old bobsled track in Sochi <laughs> that that was literally like it looked like one of those Tony Hawk pro skater levels that just has. <laughs> Spray paint and water just flowing through it, and you're just like, this is kind of sort of unsafe. Yeah. This is unsanitary. You should probably the, do something. I went with to that. the 2006 Winter Olympics in Torino, Italy. Mm-hmm. Going to the Olympics was really fun. Like I would actually really recommend that. It's a whole thing that was really right. exciting. Um, but just keep them in the same place. Yeah, that's my soapbox. I like it. <laughs> I absolutely like it. Um, so. Uh, I don't want to take too much time thinking about what city of Tacoma is going to do, but I'm curious whether you see any significant obstacles uh, to completing this project outside of the governance process. Um, what's going to make this challenging, uh, assuming the voters say, oh, yeah, this is a great idea and, and nothing comes back from sure, environmental that's impact a, that's and, a really and good so question. on. So, so let's assume um, let's assume that the people of Tacoma say this is cool. Mm-hmm. Or at least a, a rough majority of them who 55%, speak, you know, yeah. who speak to us. <laughs> it may not be a vote, but just you know how it how it comes back. Yeah. Um, there are still the governance issues. Uh, a single Metro Parks commissioner might have the mm-hmm. ability to stop a sale, and what happens after that? I don't know. So that's one possible hurdle that I could see. Um, a bigger one, the the biggest one, is is the new market tax credit thing. Um, which really fun. I mean, really, you know, like hats off. We would not have an amazing Eastside Community Center without that program. Like it was really like the last six or seven million dollars. It was amazing. Um, will that thing fund a stadium? I I am not convinced. Like I will just tell you, it seems like a stretch to me. Um, it's happened before. Um, it has happened before down in Houston. But um, I think that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, within I, the decade, it, but so it, it is apparently so. There, there's there's certain you have to have certain qualifying factors in a mm-hmm. zip code to get something to happen. This one qualifies. This is a qualifying project. So you look at that and you say, well, you but you're still in competition and mm-hmm. like like is it still is it going to win against another community center? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and if that falls through, I don't know where the rest of the funding that funding stream comes from. That would be something that. Um, we would all have to work together to collaboratively figure out. Okay. Um, so I would say, as I as I identify hurdles, that's a big one. And then there's just the hurdle of time. I mean, like at some point, Sounders are going to want to say, and you know, Major League Baseball and all these mm-hmm. people are going to say, like, hey, like we've been doing this for a long time. Let's come to a decision. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that would be the other one as well. One of the uh, one of the pieces for that is. It, 
<clears throat> Cheney Stadium is a great place to watch soccer. It's not the perfect place, and it's a hell of a lot better than Yankee Stadium, which is the other kind of baseball uh, experiment uh, that 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 went terribly wrong uh, for NYCFC. The thing that kind of ties Defiance to this is there are no comparable facilities anywhere else uh, in the region that are suitable for this besides maybe upgrading and returning to like Starfire or something like that in Tequila, which would make a lot of, for Open Cup games, they actually had pretty good draw, but uh, they had some capacity issues and uh, also some uh, infrastructure issues with with certification for FIFA slash... uh, you know, other soccer governing bodies. I know you folks have been studying this. Uh, are there alternative sites? Is there another place that could reasonably hold this space in the in Western Washington? You know, in the Puget Sound region, uh, that would be a good good place for Defiance. Are there any other jurisdictions that are going to be competing for this Tacoma Defiance and or uh, Oil Rain? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I would suspect that if there are any, it would have to be, what is our distance from Seattle? 30 miles? Mm-hmm. It would have to be at least 30 miles from Seattle. <laughs> um, so so draw, draw, get your compass out, draw a circle around <laughs> Seattle of about 30 miles. Um, that's one of the reasons why the Rainiers have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, Starfire was just too close to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you would were looking at that, you'd have to be looking outside that radius. Yeah. Um, there's, there is something to the location where you already have infrastructure supporting a current stadium. Mm-hmm. You have freeway access. You have eventual transit access. You know, like, well, you already have the two bus, but, you know, eventual light mm-hmm. rail. Um, so you have, it's a it's a pretty decent spot as far as some of those factors go. Um, I don't know where else in Tacoma I'd be looking at, but, yeah. Um, let's see. What didn't we ask you that you really wanted to address before we... I think that's probably all okay. the good stuff. Be watching for whatever Metro Parks does, City Council does, signing a letter of intent, non-binding letter of intent. Uh, should be late February or early March when those votes happen. Okay. Um, and then that, in theory, assuming those pass both jurisdictions, kicks off the public process. And Metro Parks has uh, regular public meetings, or at least the your, your deliberations and meetings are, are, are held in public, right? That is correct. You can uh, come to any Metro Parks board meeting on the uh, second or fourth Monday at Metro Parks headquarters, six o'clock, and uh, speak to us about any di- matter pertaining to the district for three minutes. And we're recording this on uh, Monday, February 10th, and you just had a meeting. What yes. were the big things at the, what were the, the big agenda items today at we, uh, Metro we Parks? We gave awards to the volunteers who had been supporting Charlotte's Blueberry Park for the last couple of years. Right on. Um, and we passed, we accepted $500,000 from our foundation, the Greater Metro Parks Foundation. Awesome. And we amended an agreement with the EPA uh, that had them kick in a little bit more money for Dune Peninsula. Okay. So that's the kind of... Usually it's a lot more boring than that. Usually it's a, you know like buying trucks or something like that. But uh, every year I do get to buy seafood. That's a fun vote. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the animals at the zoo. It's 100,000 pounds of seafood. That's a fun vote. What, what do the animals eat? What kind of seafood are we dealing with? Are oh we well, you know, fish the, for the, the penguins the, the, and the, yeah, it's all different. Okay. The walrus has different <laughs> stuff, for, but but you you buy a hundred thousand pounds of seafood. I don't think any other elected official around gets to do that. I'd like to um, I'd like to get get in that budget. You like to rub it? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, just, just, just you know, slice off about a thousand bucks for your old buddy Ham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You and uh, Boris the Walrus. How yes. Much, how much mackerel is going to fall off this truck? <laughs> 
also have a bucket just going by. Just, oh, 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 there we go. All right. Before we cut out, I do want to ask you, Eric, I, I hope that we're going to have uh, we're going to have you back uh, for uh, Metro Parks topics, updated, yeah. for Channel 253 stuff and and that sort of thing. But before we cut you loose, I would like to know what is your favorite Metro Parks facility? That's as a, a citizen that's a tricky uh tricky one oh, yeah? um i would say that my favorite favorite place to hang out that's owned by metro parks would be wright park uh it's a really nice urban style park it's an arboretum it has more than 100 mm-hmm. kinds of trees there one from every state of the union you've got the uh, I, I didn't know that yeah uh you've got the wonderful conservatory mm-hmm. um you've got the place where my kids play You've got the ducks on the pond. Um, I just really, really love Wright Park. It was my closest park for a long time when I lived downtown. So that was it. Although my first job was at the zoo. So, you know, there's also that. I, you know, like, I, so zoo's pretty high up there too. That's awesome. Eric Hanberg, uh, Metro Parks Board Commissioner and publisher of Channel 253, Eric Hanberg. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we return, we'll be speaking with Nico Moreno and Tim Hamilton. Thanks for listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. Hello, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by TAPCO, Pierce County's original credit union. You might already know that credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives with a focus on enriching their members instead of big bank shareholders. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. That means when you put your money there, you put it back into our community. Think about it. You go to the night market, you go to the Grand, and you shop at local stores. So why not keep your money local too? TAPCO offers the products and services you need home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, online and mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than big banks. Plus, TAPCO donates to local causes and supports our community in other ways, so you can feel good about helping your neighbors. To learn more about our local choice for all of your banking needs, visit tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Hey! everybody welcome back to the flounders b team podcast uh just want to invite you to visit channel 253.com forward slash membership and join channel 253 for four dollars a month or forty dollars a year and you can get all of the fantastic content that our network provides you will get invitations to special events you'll get to meet the hosts of the podcast that you listen to every single week uh, Channel 253 has podcasts like the Interchangeable White Lady podcast with Annie Jansen and Hope Teague. When they come back this summer, you're going to want to talk to them. Uh, Nate Bowling, of course, Nerd Farmer podcast. And Tim Hamilton, who's sitting across from me at this table from the, from the Flounders B-Team podcast. He's famous at Muffin Top Model. So, Steve, who do we have on the show we today? Are, well, we're here at the Barbecue Chicken, BB.Q Chicken, where they study their customers' minds, apparently. That's the sign on the wall. Uh, it's, it's adjacent uh, and attached to a Ramada Inn by Wyndham. 
uh, here in Tequila, Washington. Stone's where, throw from uh, Starfire. A stone's throw. Stone's throw Easy from for you to say. Starfire, uh, which is kind of the 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 uh, spiritual home base for our friend. Mr. Nico Moreno, who's chosen this moment just, just take a bite to get a bite of his wings. No, no, not at all. My man, just happy to be here, excited. Uh, absolutely love the location for that specific reason. It's very convenient, isn't very it? convenient because like, like, I spend five days a week here. And uh-huh. It's not with uh, covering the Sounders, it's with my kids. So, uh-huh. yeah, let's do it. You got, some, you, got, you got the kiddos doing the soccer in the area. You got... Uh, you got the coverage that you're providing for for football MLS for Pulso Sports Network. Uh, what do you? I mean, how many hats I, you wearing? It's been so long since we talked to you. I, I kind of want to catch up with you. Absolutely. Uh, but first off, I want to ask you what you think about what happened at MLS Cup last year because it's been that long since we spoke. It has right. Been. Um, did we? Did the Seattle Sounders have any business in that match at all, or was it? Define the odds all the way and smoke and mirrors. Smoke it. I mean, not even smoke and mirrors. Just, 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 just sheer force of will for this team. I mean, what do you think about that? You were there with with some of your compatriots at 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 uh, 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 CenturyLink, covering the match for Pulso Sports Network. Can you talk about your experience a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, once again, thank you for uh, inviting me. Nico you guys Moreno. know that I am a great. Uh, fan of the show I, I love you guys you know you guys are our brothers uh so uh, definitely happy to be here with you guys again so um yes mls cup i do feel like uh seattle had plenty to do there i think that um <laughs> uh, the fact that people constantly overlook the mm-hmm. advantage and the importance of have a cohesive unit mm-hmm. that does not necessarily survive on big name soccer players is a huge cliche that uh, needs to be broken uh, because uh, that group effort, that group play is what had the Seattle Sounders where they were at. I think that that group got, grew stronger and stronger throughout the playoffs. And uh, you saw it in the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw it in uh, certain players who uh, rotated in like uh, Javier Arriaga, mm-hmm. who had a fantastic game against LAFC. I was at Bank of California Stadium, and oh, I got to, go got to, to see too. him. Huh? Did you go to that one, too? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh, I yep. didn't know that. To, Jelly yeah. over here. Got to go Toast there Jelly. and uh, be there on the field when the team was uh, getting beers thrown at them as they <laughs> won the the match. Fuck, uh, yeah. Javier Arriaga that had uh, Carlos Vela in, in a very pocket. tight leash. Como se dice in his pocket and me will see you will see you will bruin i mean i can just imagine him uh walking along that uh, along that uh that supporter line and saying ah, i'm thirsty ah yeah, oh, man like, like look seriously i know it's wrong give me the beer a lot of uh of the colleagues frowned upon the fact that you can have any sort of affection towards a team which i think is is dumb because if you're doing what we're doing, sure. it's because you love the sport. You have mm-hmm. some sort of passion towards it. You've got um, you've got a, an affiliation, right? Yeah, so of some sort, right? So a Nacional is my team of my hearts, and in Colombia, that's what I do. But uh, the Sanders have definitely grown in me. And and going back and just talking about what I remember of that match in California with um, Christian Roldan's mom right next to me, just super excited as we waited for the team to get across. 
I was right next to Mama Raw Dan, and she's super excited. I'm pretty sure I was recording all over with <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, under a pulso because I was doing half and half work. Par for Opuso, par for Football MLS, which is uh, Major League Soccer official Spanish website. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just fantastic watching these guys who you followed day in, day out, work hard. Uh, Brian Smetzer, who has been called oh, uh, 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 a coward or, or a lack of strategics. and I feel like uh, I'm going to bleep all that out because... Hashtag bullshit. That's right? four little yeah. words. <laughs> I mean, seriously. There's so many people that that were uh, just had all these he's doubts a, about he's the team. He's not a tactician. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and we know what we're talking about, right? Yep. Uh, so basically, them define all of the odds that, that, that were put up there. I, I spoke to Raul Ridias the day before the game, and I could see in his eyes how much they wanted this. Mm-hmm. So watching that come through in a reality and them actually executing that game plan just makes you just drop the mic, makes you just completely just let it all go because it was fantastic. And then that's exactly the reason why I'm telling you. I'm telling you this story mm-hmm. because I'm going into the MLS final. They absolutely had everything to do in that final because that effort, that willingness to – defied the odds is what had him there they knew that they were they had a chip on his shoulder people did not think that they were going to get past lafc they did and once they were there they finished the job so watching that was amazing execution that's right in every in every single way and you saw it in raul Ridias in that final and you saw mm-hmm. the way they played they had a, a a really rough first half they were able to turn mm-hmm. that thing around regain the oxygen in that stadium with all of the hard-loving, faithful fans that were here in mm-hmm. CenturyLink Field. So, simply fantastic. Execution, esprit de corps, uh, just the, the, the passion of the game, leadership, technical prowess. Everything that you want was there. And it was in places that were, you know, if you were looking at, if you were following the Sounders at the beginning of the season, was absolutely phenomenally astounding. Now, we don't want to rehash all that, but, right. I mean, we do want to celebrate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and everybody should. But there's a there's a continuity factor here, right? Because for the first time in many, many years, I think, uh, we are in a position entering the season, taking advantage of CONCACAF Champions League, and actually having the opportunity to enter that tournament with power, with 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 new additions that have historically not happened at the beginning of, of, a, of an MLS season for the Seattle Sounders for, for many reasons, uh, because of you know, difficulty of, of acquiring folks, because of uh, you know, just the, the calendar, because of the collective bargaining agreement, Absolutely. because of limitations Great with point. signing people. And for the first time in a long time with Garth Lagerway as our general manager, He's actually doing it. He's staying on target. Stay on target. And we are here, right? We're here, and we have almost all of our slots filled, and we're looking at, like, there's an energy that I've not seen since 2010, 2011 with this team entering this year, right? Can you talk about uh, who we've acquired, uh, how uh, those folks fit, and... Yeah, let's, okay. Who, well, do, who do we say goodbye to? Who are we saying goodbye to? Um, and, then, and then we can talk about... And who, who is, who's filling those slots, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, first of all, you guys know, and I've been telling you uh-huh. guys, both of you guys, I, I know you, I, I'm not... 
I'm pretty sure you guys haven't been necessarily being on board with Garth, but that's my Not guy, right? right? Uh, we, we, no, we no, haven't. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I got you. Just say it. No, Admit it, baby. We're, no, fr- we're frustrated because we don't know what he's working on. He's a duck. Calm, cool but on work, the surface, right? mm-hmm. but them feet are just kicking underwater. Right. Underneath Nobody underneath knows water. about it. No, that's, that's right. the hard part is we just don't know. He said, trust me. I'm like, I don't <laughs> have any faith right oh, now. We trust him because now. We I mean, we, well, we didn't, right. we didn't trust him last year until we went on that mad, impossible run to, to, to drop from. And, you know, there were like moments during some of those final weeks where we had dropped to ninth. Right. Moments, like yes. literally 30 yeah, seconds yeah. here or there. Uh, but we never, at the end of any week last year, dropped below fifth place. And and for me, like, looking back and seeing that, I'm like, huh. Because that's not what I experienced right. as a fan, right? Well, well, well I'm going to let you guys know right now that, I mean, working as close as I do, uh, just as many with of the, the guys front do. Office, yeah, yeah, with the front office and mm-hmm. with the team, just like many of the guys out here. You, you know, know Matt these guys Pence better than we and, do. And, yeah. uh, Mickey Turner and everybody else, you know, i, I got to give them credit Both as well. quality folks, by the way. Um, so I get out here and I see it and I talk to Garth. And I'm mm-hmm. that guy that I'm going to talk to Garth. I'm going to talk to uh, Adrian Hanauer constantly. And I see the vision behind what they're doing. And it definitely executed that. So uh, mm-hmm. to, to not get too long-winded on that, because I know we've got a, a certain time that we're going to have to fit, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and say that I've always believed in the system. I believe in the system now. I did then. I felt like Seattle could have been an MLS Cup winner, and they did. Mm-hmm. This year, I feel like they could get far in CCL, and I feel like they will. So starting with the two acquisitions that they brought in. Please, please. Uh Kim, Kim Kihi's gone, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, yeah. People who left. So Kim Kihi <clears throat> is gone. Victor Rodriguez mm-hmm. gone. Luis Silva, who I thought was an interesting rotation piece, is gone. Uh, so th- those guys are gone, obviously. Brad Smith, somebody mm-hmm. else who was a rotation piece, but when he was in, yeah. he was great. Uh-huh. He was a fantastic Puts player, very fast. Mm-hmm. Delivery on the ball in the final third was uh, exceptional. And did he just roll back to Burnmouth or... Yes, he went back okay. to Bournemouth. He, okay. I'm sure he's going to try to continue be part of that team or stay within that EPL dream. I think you can see it in his eyes, and I've said this in the past. I feel like his MLS tenure helped him gain some confidence. Mm-hmm. He got called up by his national team uh, because of his play, and I feel like he now feels like he can make a difference in EPL. And I, I'm a true believer that, that he can because if he can stay healthy – I feel like he's a very good left back. And I think that's really important. That's an important inflection point, a transition, right? Where uh, rather than MLS being a place where where folks come to retire that are superstars, this can be a place where folks develop and grow and become superstars. Well, I mean, Bournemouth, you know, whatever. Bournemouth just isn't using him. So my man needs to find a job and, and play somewhere. But he's getting like... He's so get, they have he's him. Getting paid and more he's than getting paid more than we can pay him. He's getting loan fees or yeah. something. I don't know right? how all that stuff works, yeah. but uh, he's getting paid. He's but still, you saw the quality. You he's saw the quality there. Paid. He's not getting and, rust. He's not growing in and moss And the club is using him as an asset and uh, seeing what they can do with him and develop him and, and yeah. maybe use him in lower-level tournaments or yep. whatever. But, yeah, I loved him. He's got yeah, speed. He he's got creativity. So, so, so that was the back end. Now you get to the midfield. Emmanuel Sashini, somebody who came in. And was gone yeah. immediately, quickly. He honestly did not get a chance and opportunity no. to prove himself on the field. Do you have? I mean, do you have any insight into what was going on with that? Because he was like Batman was it, the whole time, absolutely, right? Yes, I, I he think, had no. No, I, please, I think, please. I think you hit it right on. I think he just 
never got a chance to prove his talent. I felt like he was a uh, good contributor in the training end. And um, he felt uh, ghosted or he felt lied to uh, when he was brought in from Malaga. He was told that he was going to come in and play. Uh, he was told, uh, his, his agent even told me that he thought he was going to come in here and mm-hmm. be a, a starter guy That's or, certainly what or the at least thought. be a constant rotation yeah. guy for that amount of money. I mean, you're talking about $1.5 million mm-hmm. for a loan, yeah. right? So I think that all that and affected him so heavily yeah. that that relationship between him and club was destroyed. So, okay. I mean, is there a... Is there a uh, is there an underlying this is the kind of stuff that that makes fans like us who aren't like talking to Garth Lagerway every week wonder what's happening and why the decisions are being made the way they are being made right um, and and I'm absolutely certain that that Sacchini did not get play for very specific and very valid reasons in management of the club but, but I mean, do you have any insight as to what those reasons were and why he didn't get a fair shake, why he didn't get those minutes? I think Brian Smetzer was uh, married to his uh, players, that he knew what they could bring to the table. He he knows what uh, Delem can bring to the table. He knows mm-hmm. what Christian Roldan is to the table. He knows his Vincent is a quality veteran guy. And you all so, know I love Jordy Delem. So. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and he, he's great, fantastic, both at the national team level and mm-hmm. at the club level. So I think uh, he was brought into a bad situation, honestly. Yeah. And I do feel like maybe it was a a move that was made a little bit too early by the front office, one of the very few rare misses by uh, th- that specific group. And uh, he was a player that was brought in and didn't quite fit and and it- when he came down to what Schmetzer wanted. And it's certainly possible, right, that Schmetzer, as a very quality tactician, uh, has a piece that doesn't fit into what he's working with that week, right? That the front office is making moves a year and a half in advance to try to get these people on and, and work with them, massage, you know, Chris Henderson down there touring South America, trying to figure out what, what, what we can bring to the team when we think we might need it. And tactically, in the moment, it just falls apart, right, because we're not... Uh, we're not in that space. I'm wondering if, if, you know, like you were just saying, year or two in advance, we're probably trying to find a replacement for mm-hmm. Ozzy. Right. And, and then, the re- you know, maybe we keep Svensson an extra year, and the relationship between uh, Roldan and Svensson seems to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mess with that. Yeah, and, you don't want to you know, fuck with that chemistry. He, he <laughs> like you just said, he probably just felt like, you know, he was sold on the opportunity, and it never really presented itself, and then maybe his attitude soured and, you know, it's it's hard and, to and he did sour, but you guys have to understand the reason why he soured happens. because he has been in this same situation over and over and over again. It happened to him at Leon in Mexico okay. where he got signed and he thought he was gonna come in, never got any real playtime. In Spain, it was the exact same situation with Malaga. So he was just he came in here and once the situation started going that way. He completely fell off the horse. And his agent had told me if they show him confidence if they show Sashini the, the ability to play he's going to play well but if they don't it's going to go down south and, and he, he doesn't have correct me if I'm wrong he doesn't have the uh, the mental fortitude to overcome that because I agree. who I, Sashini okay I, I'm just thinking you know 
rather than blame you know someone that well, you're you're going to know somebody in life that is constantly blaming oh man this this coach has it out for me oh this coach has it out this everything everything stacked against me I'm like well the common denominator is you bro <laughs> and wherever if, you go there you are if, <laughs> it's a good point if you if you I'm not saying this is a bootstrap moment, but if you can overcome and if you can just if if you're there, they're going to have a hard time dragging you off the field. I agree. So, and I, I, it just didn't work, and it snowballed. It sounds like. Yeah. Now, I he, now he's at Santa Fe, uh, mm-hmm. a smaller club in Argentina. Uh, he wasn't called in for the last 18 mm-hmm. of that team. And you're right. I mean, you you have to go 50-50 on that. Perhaps he was burning at the wrong time. Perhaps Brian didn't give him the opportunity, but he maybe didn't put the right type of attitude and I've seen that happen constantly mm-hmm. with some players Waylon Francis I don't know if you guys remember him oh yeah he had similar uh, limitations or obstacles mind obstacles in which he felt like he should be a starter over knew who or over whoever it was and when he didn't he would just block him so you're absolutely right great point there by Tim I, I got I got two I got yeah, two go. thoughts here I remember looking when Sacchini was 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 coming over, kind of looking at his record. You said Malaga. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I looked at Malaga, and he wasn't getting minutes, and there wasn't a whole lot going on there. I didn't I didn't see it, and I didn't see the math, and, and I didn't see what people were kind of talking about with this guy. Um, when you talk about Nuhu, you see kind of the flip side of the coin, where he's a guy that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of upside but has these sparks of brilliance and works his ass off to try to prove himself week in and week out and so he's always that kind of secondary option in that space we we, we could talk about new who and oh yeah as salty as he is i'm sure he's not happy with the situation where you think now's my chance to start and then oh who's this brad smith guy oh now's my chance to mm-hmm. oh wait wait jovens is back mm-hmm. son of a no who hasn't been happy since waylon francis was too that's bad. absolutely true oh but i'm hoping yep. I, I really like Facts. the guy I'm hoping we don't irritate him so that he just, you know, says heck with that. I, and you want to go year, shoot on Stephen Fry? I, be my guess. I love <laughs> the way he expresses his discontent, though. <laughs> the way he just, like, fuck use the front office from time to time. Like he goes Leroy Jenkins down the field floor. All the fuck, like, he's talking in French to all the clubs in the Caribbean. He's... He's 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 uh, Instagram uh, I heart Instagramming you know. <laughs> I heart my freaking New Jersey. Alessandrini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how how do you hate that? Like yeah. how do you hate that attitude? And, and he has a lot of positive upside. He his physical abilities are amazing, incredible. You know the way he just uh, turns in speed. He's yeah. uh, he's strong defensively, and it'll be an interesting year for him because mm-hmm. him and Jovin continue to have a a, a certain battle. Uh, I see Joven as a good uh, option up top, but uh, in reality, I mean, that, those spots are filled because it's going to be Christian Roldan on the right side. It's going to be Jordan Morris on the left side. So there's zero spots for Joven. For him as a winger, yeah. There, so what does that leave you to is at left back. So him and Joven are going to be going at it. What I've seen lately throughout training in the last Sacramento uh, scrimmage that they had or friendly Knew who started. Jones played with the secondary group. So mm-hmm. I think knew who's winning that battle at this moment. I think there's going to be a lot of interplay between new players and Roldan, and he's going to be moving around a lot. But we want to kind of get to what's what's new, right? Well, yeah. what, what do you got on your mind, bud? Oh, no, I, I was just thinking about back to 2017, the way we platooned him. We would have, oh, yeah. uh, we'd have Joven Jones uh, play left you know, left back and then sub Nuhu in and then pull a midfielder, mm-hmm. and then Joven would push up into attack. and But... You know, 
and he'd have those bursts of energy because I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I I liked I liked the uh, the the energy that he did bring, but so anyway, uh, we are moving on to twenty twenty here. Uh, who are we adding to the team? Yeah, obviously uh, the two big signings. Your first one is your designated player, your Brazilian six or eight. Well, he's an eight. He's going to be playing right next to Svensson, and that's uh, Joao Paulo and uh, or Jao. Joao. Uh, Joao. Joao. <laughs> uh, a very intense player with tenacity, strong uh, personality. He's somebody who will technically give you what you want i mean his ability to open up the field to find the open players to give you a distributor from the first line of uh, the center midfielders is great i mean we saw it against sacramento republic just the way he finesses through pressure the way he turns the way he uh gives you those long in-depth passes uh through passes to whether it is uh, your 10 or your 9 or finding Roldan on one side, Jordan on the other. He was great. And the question I had was defensively, mm-hmm. and he did well there. Uh, as I was told earlier by a lot of my colleagues in Brazil, he's not the fastest guy, but because his field awareness is so evolved and so beyond most mm-hmm. players, he can angle out attackers and close down despite his lack of speed. He's not necessarily the fastest guy, but he's got a head start because he's so smart. Right. Exactly. So how, how old is this guy? He's 29. Okay. I mean, yeah. Does he smile? He smiles. A great beard. A I mean, I'm <laughs> jealous because, you know, I've been trying to do the, the beard thing, you know. He's got the Steph baby face. and him got, the, got a, got a great good, beard. Yeah. And, well, roll down, too, now. Mm-hmm. The beard game is strong, Saturday yep. Nation. I just trim mine. So. But anyways, uh, it, it, when it comes to him, yeah, he, he's definitely a guy that uh, you, you could tell could be a force to be reckoned with as long as his physical abilities can hold up. Uh, against a MLS play that can be very direct at times and very quick, so it could be exhausting for somebody in that position. Well, how does that how does that physicality uh, in MLS and in Liga MX compare to, compare to the the Brazilian professional game? I, I want to say that you know what I've seen out of Brazilian league, and I, I am a watch, I'm a casual watcher. I would put it that in that term. Um, there's a little bit more pause. There's a little bit more technique to it at times. Just as it is in the soccer league in Colombia, uh, it, it can be at times be more uh, horizontal than vertical at times. Okay. There's a lot of uh, passing. There's a lot of uh, movement and uh, quality soccer, but it's not as, as quick and direct at times. But that, that fits, right? Because you don't see a lot, of, a lot of vertical movement in MLS. You get a lot, of, a lot of crowding in the middle. You get a lot of kind of traffic and things tend to get clogged up. Yeah, in but the I feel like here. teams try to really bypass those first mm-hmm. lines of pressure and just kind of bomb it upfield at times. Uh-huh. So I feel like it can be very direct, kind of uh, over the top when it comes to and and I feel like midfielders, especially those with defensive responsibilities, do a lot of running. And, and I see it with Christian, I see it with uh, Svensson, I've seen it with the Lamb, and they have the ability to do so. I am and wondering. If, not be I, that I'm wondering. Box, if ja, right? I'm wondering how Jao can do. I mean, mm-hmm. he did very good against Re- Republic, which is a USL team, a good USL team. But you still have to take it with a grain of salt because it's preseason. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that really plays out. Uh, so that that's the only concern that I might have. But he's been slowly diminished because of his intelligence. So, uh, 
are we still, you think, planning on, on the game plan being built from the back, play out of the back? Oh, absolutely. And It'll also be... having a deeper player, almost like a defensive number 10, somebody that can either from, from, from center back to Joao, either him passing to, to Nico and finding Nico or just bypassing Nico and, and going straight to the, the left mid and the right mid. You know, finding finding Morris or finding Roldan in space. Absolutely. The guy can drop dimes, right? That's what you want because he can drop dimes. So and he can do it from anywhere gives on us the more field. options. So it does give you more options. It gives you a secondary guy that can bring that ball up. And since Seattle wants to be a possession-based team and be able to, you know, frustrate teams with that, I mean, he's the right guy for the job because he's going to be able to find every single player on the run, which is great. And one step before that, uh, I, in the, the, it feels like an eight week run up to actually signing the guy and all the uncertainty about it. There's a lot of tape circulating and my dude is, as, as Nate Bowling would say, stealing souls in <laughs> on defense. Like he is straight up pickpocketing folks out of balls. Right. And, and, and making that transition immediately happen. It's it's phenomenal to watch. Like, go watch some tape of this guy. Go find the uh, the techno back si- highlight. <laughs> <laughs> they all got techno. <laughs> okay, that's standard operating procedure. All right, so we, got uh, so we move on from Jwao. Jwao. Is somebody, we need to get somebody that speaks Portuguese on this show it, to make sure that we're we're. I think it's no Juan. Who cares? But I J, I J care Wau. a lot. I heard it's Jao 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 right right yeah. It's like it's it's like, it's like in Spanish is Joao and apparently in sure. Portuguese is Jao. Who's next? Who's, Who's next? We have Andrade right. Absolutely. All right. And what is his full? Jamar Gomez Andrade. Okay. Now is it Jamar? Jamar. Or Jamar. Yeah, Jamar. He is uh, your YGA. physical, strong, gutsy, just bad man in your defensive line. He's going to give you what Ramon brought you uh, in the physical aspect. He is a quality player when he comes to coming out of the back. His uh, anticipation and air game is one of the best in Argentina. Uh, I have spoken to several, at least six or seven colleagues. They've all put him either three or in the top three or top five best center backs in Argentina. Uh, without a doubt, he's somebody who's going to come in here and give you that necessity in CCL play because as we all know it's physical, it's rough, it's rugged you need to get out there and be a presence guy and that's what he brings to the table. I can tell you right now that colleagues have told me hey well you know he's somebody who should make it into the Colombian national team but because of our depth at center back he hasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean we have Davison Sanchez, we have Mina who both play in EPL, we have Oscar Murillo, Jason Murillo, we have just so much depth there that he hasn't got a call in. But he's a guy that in any other national team might make it. So he's a very, very good guy. This could go well. This would be one of those, you know, fringe national team players that can can still play on our team exactly. when these national breaks go. Right. The guy's got freaking tree trunks for, for <laughs> thighs. You want you want to watch his highlight, you know, this guy's huge. This is this is GTF Grand Theft Football. My man, my man reads plays, jumps, you know, jumps in the passing lanes, picks the balls. He goes to ground, and you know it. 
He gets the ball and then kicks you into the third row at the same time. Absolutely. And, I mean, uh, when it comes to the thighs, I got to tell you that I still have to do a comparison of who has bigger thighs, him or Roman. I mean, my man has more hammer pants. Comparison <laughs> are ill. But, you know, if we can make that happen, I think I'm going to try to make that happen. Try to off. go thigh to thigh, so you have the bigger thighs. But um, <laughs> when we play Miami, the th- But But, but J Mart is great. I mean, uh, I think that. Just so you guys know a little background on him, he has been on his own since he was 17. Uh, he uh, left Colombia early to make the dream happen in, in Argentina, and he was part of one of these players who came on to like a, uh, a place where a lot of the younger players come and try to make a name for themselves. And uh, since he was 17, he's roughed it out, rugged it out through Rosario Central and other teams, Finally made a name for himself. Then he went to Independiente, ended up going to Santa Fe, where he uh, became and won the heart of every single fan. There is what I'm told. Yeah. That he came in. This, this is a great quote. Uh, out of uh, one of my guys, Romero, from uh, Santa Fe. He says, Jamar came in through the, through the window and went out the front door. He's the guy that you did not think was going to be this great player. And now we miss him, and we are so sad that he's gone. That came in through the bathroom window. That's something to be said. Where when when the fans, <laughs> right. the fans of the club are are sad to see him go. Right? Isn't that what you were saying before? Oh yeah. When when the Twitter <laughs> the Twitters are all afraid and sad when a guy leaves. Mm-hmm. So well, that's and, and yeah, so I think it's gonna be great. I think he's he's hungry. He uh, is somebody that every single time he's won a starting job, never lets it go. And someone like that, someone who knows the struggle to get there, will give you that extra 10% out of 100%. He'll give you that 110%. That's what we need. I mean, I, I love the idea that the guy's got grit because of his life circumstances rather than you know somebody that's grip. had uh, a comfortable life. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And... Uh, when to the chips are down, to, they're the ones that you can count on. Absolutely. And that's something that Seattle does well, is that those intangibles, I feel like they're a very good team of finding those guys that have the intangibles, those things that you can't see on the field. And uh, he, he's going to be a great presence. I expect great things out of him immediately. I expect great things with him in CCL. He'll be a sure starter right next to Javier Arriaga. And I'm just excited to see him play. He His uh, air game offensively is also very good. So I think it's, it's going to be tough for Brian Metzer to figure out who's going to go up high when it comes oh, to simple. set pieces. Have Ariaga go to the near. And, <laughs> but and who's back there? YGA go to the far. <laughs> and then we'll have the, sh- we'll have the short kids, the, the rolled-ons. Defend for a little bit. Or just hang out at the 50 or drop off a little bit to break up passes. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited about him, not just because he's Colombian, but... Uh, you know, he's definitely a guy that uh, I think fits. I've been watching him for a little bit uh, before they, they even uh, brought him in here because he was one of the guys that were on my list uh, as a potential center back. So excited, excited to have Jamar. Yeah, what we need from you is we need you to um, make a list and hold up a newspaper <laughs> from that day so that, you know, six months down the road, like I told you, here he is right here. And here's the newspaper. Don't just save your newspapers and then take a picture of the list <laughs> after the fact. Okay, but, so All right, uh, oh, <coughs> moving on. I do want to I do want to kind of go through uh, a couple of the 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 less senior players uh, that are new uh, for our team. Stefan Cleveland, uh, we picked up uh, in the Super Draft, right? 
Where yes. was he from? Was okay. he from Columbus? He's from or? Dayton. Yep. So, I mean, he's Dayton, from Ohio. soccer country, right? Well, I mean, no, he was playing, he was on somebody's uh, uh, roster, wasn't he? No, he came no, from he, the university. he came from college. Yeah, and, yeah. and, 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 oh. and Seattle went out and got him. I mean, I've heard that they really wanted, and, you know, that's not my forte, but I can tell you that uh, for what I've heard, they really wanted this kid. He had the uh, body type they wanted. He had the abilities Wingspan. they wanted. That's right. <laughs> so, exactly. And with uh, Tommy Dutra, one of the best, if not the best oh, yeah. in the business, to build up uh, goalkeepers. Still I mean, waiting on my sweatshirt, I, bro. I'm only for it. <laughs> Hashtag still waiting. 1994. Uh, yeah, Louisville appeared in 22 matches for the Cardinals, uh, played uh, on loan from USL uh, for Chicago Fire in 2018, nah, Fire. played for Lansing Ignite, uh, Lansing Ignite uh, up in Michigan uh, for a League One USL team. Um, I'm assuming that's not on a professional uh, uh, professional contract uh, because he was still with NCAA. University. but. Yeah, we talked about that with Dave Clark. Um, uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. your man. Dave Clark is the man when yeah, it comes to there's, mm-hmm. there's kids that can, uh, uh, you can play USL or play in the in the academy, mm-hmm. but then once you start collecting a paycheck, if then, you start, yeah, if you ruins. start collecting a paycheck, that's so maybe he played that kind of breaks things. On a free. Uh, I do want to hold on one second. I I was looking at a thing. Uh, Shane O'Neill. Oh, Shane O'Neill. He's so that's been, center back. That's what. Was was a prospect that ended up in Colorado, and then now he's out of contract. He was in Orlando, and uh, he uh, he's a serviceable center back. I don't know if I would feel comfortable today having him start for me. Variaga was gone on international duty, and he'd have to start next to Jamar. But uh, oh, jeez. Uh, honestly, I mm-hmm. do feel, and I've been saying this, that uh, I feel like the, the team has been looking for another center back. I think that they could make something happen at this time. Uh, international spots are filled, but maybe within a domestic uh, transfer. I know that Columbus Crew has a lot of center backs that they can maybe give <laughs> yeah, us one. We're asking, Caleb, we're asking Caleb Porter to throw us a solid. Oh, that's a great point. I did not think about that. Now, uh, international, uh, international roster spots. How... How long does it take to get somebody to go and get a green card and be uh, eligible and get that roster spot back? Fuck. Yeah, it's it's tough to say, especially at this time. I don't think we have anybody eligible this year. I could be wrong. What are, uh, do you know the, what the requirements yeah, are? Yeah, there's like a couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, two or three years that they have to be within the league. I, I'm honestly not sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere close to that. And I, I'm not sure if anybody's quite there yet. But uh, there's always an opportunity to go and get another international player for another team. But I know that right now they're being stingy with them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually – you can trade Gam and Tam for roster spots and players sure. and whatnot. A silly, silly question. You may not be able to answer this. Um, can you be – can you get a green card and then still compete at the international level for a different country? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So transitioning to uh, uh, to CCL, we, we certainly expect that – um, our our friends down in uh, down in Tacoma are going to support this, but we also have some some folks that are that are uh, that have Tacoma heritage that are on that uh, on that senior roster. Uh, we are definitely familiar with the antics and uh, quality of midfielder Jordy Delem, uh, defensive midfielder. We, uh, we, we, we know about Justin Dillon, who made a couple of really interesting appearances last year uh, to support us. We so, know about uh, uh, um, 
Danny Leva. We know about AOC. Uh, uh, AOC. And he, he's, he's definitely the wild card in my mind. Uh, Alfonso Campo Chavez, uh, where he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of upside and he's got a lot of growth to do because how old is this guy? I'm 17 years old. He's 17. He's only seven. <laughs> There's so much and talent just hanging out. And Trey Muse. Um, Trey Muse, uh, as a goalkeeper, is is definitely going to do some... I, I don't know who the number two is right now. Um, Brian Meredith got picked up in the expansion draft, mm-hmm. which I didn't see coming. But That was I mean, surprising I should have seen coming because teams nice. love to pluck our, our, our goalkeepers. Um, but... Uh, now, we have a very young Trey Muse that played in Indiana. I think he needs a little bit of seasoning. Um, I think he still needs some, some time. I don't know about the other kid, Cleveland. I, I had no idea about this child. That's I don't know if he's – what I'm concerned with is, is I, want, I want an average – I mean, I want Trey Muse. If Trey Muse is the future, I want him playing at Tacoma. I don't want him – I don't want him in uh, – uh, I don't want him – on the sidelines, if if Cleveland is the future, then I want him playing in Tacoma, and then Trey Musen. Just because okay. you're simply gonna you're gonna get more you know, more shots on goal and whatnot. Uh, it's a good point. I mean, I honestly don't know exactly how that depth that goalkeeper is. It is something that I've been overlooking now that I think about it. Uh, maybe I'm missing a, a name right now uh, that I'm spacing on, but yeah, that's interesting. Muse, Cleveland, and uh, Fry. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So. so uh, I don't know if any of those are ready. I know Muse might not be. Uh, even with Tacoma Defines, I feel mm-hmm. like he was. He needed a little bit he, of. We uh, had some backline issues yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, this is so. true. Essentially, I mean, he got peppered. What, he got some draining. What's gonna? I mean, this <laughs> this is what I see. What's gonna happen? You know, whoever's in the eighteen is going. If Fry goes down with a a, a hamstring or whatever, um, knock on yep, some wood. Yeah, man. yeah, please. <laughs> then. Then Trey Muse or Cleveland are going to finish the match, but they're going to sign a pool keeper or some some veteran out of somewhere to to back up until mm-hmm. Fry can come back. The yeah. uh, the point of this was to transition to CCL, and I'd like to know oh, uh, yeah. who you think. Uh, what are what are what does our roster look like uh, going into that February twentieth game? What's our starting uh, lineup in in Honduras? I think it looks well, and uh, I think that I mean the starting eleven you could pencil in right now. I mean it's pretty obvious, no matter the way you see it. I think it's. Uh, Stephen Frey, uh, you have uh, Nuhu, uh, Jamar, Ariaga, Leardem. You got uh, two defensive midfielders, uh, one with a little bit more freedom with Svensson and Zhao. Uh, the line of three right over them is going to be Nico as a 10, Roldan on the right side, uh, Jordan on the left side with the ability to cut in and take shots and do what basically he did all, all season last year. And then up top, Raul Rodriguez. I mean, it's, it's quite simple is the way it is. Uh, the depth will be interesting to see. I see a uh, Han Walawana that's going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, he is an interesting player, somebody who can take on the one-on-one. He is daring with the ball, creative. I see a lot of upside from him. Miguel Ibarra, who we need to talk about. He's somebody who is now as a trialist with the Seattle Sounders in Mexico. I actually have a interview with him in about 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, We'll see how that he's not signed with the team yet, so he's a free agent. Let's just put that out there, um, and uh, you can find this in Pulse Sports Network uh, whenever you uh, hear this podcast. Uh, anyways, uh, that shameless plug. After that, uh, Miguel Barro will be an interesting piece because he can give you some depth 
at the midfield position. He's a 29-year-old uh, who plays older than that. I'm talking about his ability to look at the game. He's a veteran player. Uh, and once, obviously, you look at the lack of depth in the wings, you definitely need that. It's somebody else who could potentially come in is a player like Justin Dillon. You guys just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of good things out of Dillon. He had a hat trick in the it up and in the Sacramento Republic. Uh, well, no, no hat trick. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It was two goals. Brace. I said hat trick, and he corrected me. He's a brace. Now that I think about it, <laughs> uh, he did correct me. Uh, he's a great player. I feel like he has a lot of qualities. He's good on the one-on-one. I, I think you, a lot of people see him as another Will Bruin. And although Will Bruin is very good uh, with the finesse part that people don't really realize, I think on the one-on-one and his ability to shake and bake, Dylan can really do the work. So I see a lot of good things from him. What is Bruin's timeline since you mentioned Bruin? A couple of months. Still two months. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, I, would, I, I would think a couple of months. We definitely need to fill he, that before opening day. Yeah, okay. he, he is... He's been working hard, I feel like, and uh, I mean, I'm saying a couple of months just out of what I'm reading between the lines because he he probably will tell you different, Uh, and he's been working extremely hard at the par with the group, Mm -hmm. but I would probably see him at least one more month. Are we going to see a music montage of him working out like we did Jordan Morris? Hey, for sure. I need to put one of those together. I have, I have two. We know you got to get going here in a couple of minutes, but I, I have two more questions, and then I want to explore uh, 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 some projects that you're working on this year. Okay, uh, number one, uh, who is the team to beat in uh, CC in the tournament, the CCL tournament this year? Well, CCL is interesting, and, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple of things uh, about it. Uh, for one, I think that the team to beat will be America. Uh, I feel like their roster is extremely powerful. I feel like they are someone who have been in this tournament, has been successful at it. Uh, I just think that they're the team to beat. Uh, beyond Tigres, beyond Leon, that's a team I am going to be careful I, with. I, I want an excuse to go to Azteca. I mean, let's get real. Hey, hey that'd, that'd be a good <laughs> final. That'd, that'd be, be a great dope. final. It's just down the that'd road here. Dope. There's, uh, there's another another hot take I have is that Atlanta's going to – blow out of this tournament i feel like uh since the board came to town uh i don't necessarily uh think that the roster has looked as powerful on the field off the field he has moved people around i feel like not re-signing gressel uh, or not keeping gressel was a huge mistake uh, letting go of java i feel like was ne- wasn't necessary either I don't know if the players really mesh with what he wants on the field. That's just my take on it. And I feel like um, I'm not going to say they're going to lose in the first round, uh, but Motagua is no easy pickings. I feel like Motagua is a very good team, strong in Honduras. I feel like they are going to get out here and give him the all. I wouldn't be surprised if they do an upset. I mean, if this was a a NCAA bracket, I I might just go ahead and just put – Matagua in there, but um, obviously Atlanta has power, but I continue to believe that they're going to flame out whether it's against Matagua or in the next round against America. Yeah, and Olympia Olympia will be interesting. I feel like they are out for a – they're going to want to defy. They're going to want to, you know, play their best. Uh, They are missing an important midfielder by the name of Jorge Alvarez. I have an interview – coming out in Sandra Hart with uh, Coach Trojelio, uh, who was uh, nice enough to uh, answer some of my questions about, you know, th- this uh, 
injury of this specific player and uh, the fact that this game is going to be played in uh, San Pedro Sula, oh, yeah. uh, which, got, you know, was moved. All of these questions I'm going to – I've asked them for, so look out for that. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I still feel like Seattle would come up on top of this uh, particular matchup. Uh, so uh, the other big news this week, uh, the MLS Players Association and MLS – uh, managed to hammer out a final deal that's, I think, still subject to vote, but um, basically is the deal. W- what do you think about the new terms and kind of the uh, some of the financial shifts that are happening uh, for players? Uh, you know, I thought that uh, both the players and the owners came midway. I feel like there's a lot of positive things when it comes to uh and additional charters, uh, you know, ma- making the more flights. of those available. Oh, yeah. I felt like uh, the free agency uh, moving the limitations on yeah, age was really huge, like giving players a little bit more flexibility if they're not mentioning with a team. That was interesting. But the most interesting one for me and the, and the most important was the fact that they took down the TAM limitations because that gives GMs the ability to spend that money, that extra surplus of money, whether it is on domestic players. Mm-hmm. Give it all the fry. Give it to fry. Give it to <laughs> your upcoming, maybe well, in two was, years. That was uh, the reason we lost Jovan Jones, right? Because <laughs> we couldn't tam him? Something like that. And then now we ended up paying double to bring him back. Uh, you know, So that's interesting. Anyways, uh, so I think that gives you the ability to, whether you want to spend it internationally, whether you want to uh, maybe keep a guy like... Danny Leva that maybe in two years is going to be the study projects is out to be and he wants more money or he's going to go to uh, Atletico Madrid or PSG or whatever you want to call it. Maybe you can pay him to stay. Right? I have a so feeling this team that's would important. collect any, 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 they would, they would transfer his ass for a paycheck. I have a feeling. My favorite part of this contract is uh, the the uh, the rapid and significant increase in starting pay for uh, junior players. I, right. I think that's absolutely that's huge, and it gives them uh, so much more freedom uh, and actually gives quite the financial incentive for uh, folks that are working in USL and, and doing that, that work day in and day out to have uh, uh, that that need to to, a, to a sign li- in on the a the daily wage contract. A living have wage. Three jobs. A living wage. God, you a don't living know. wage. Yeah, I, I feel bad for all the older MLS players. They're like, what, wait, what? Your your minimum wage is holy crap. I was making sixteen grand a year, and now you're making sixty. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's 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 significantly better. No, it's interesting. And one more thing uh, before it skips my mind. Uh, is the TV revenue. I mean, there's going to be a breakdown on that TV revenue once that happens, I believe, in which they'll break it down. Like like I said, it's not my forte, but I do know that that's a big part of it, mm-hmm. is how they're going to split that, I believe, for spending of the teams, if I'm not mistaken. But it seems like they're just doing the right thing to benefit the league, mm-hmm. bring in more players, and, and not take any step backs of an MLS that today is a more attractive option for younger, talented, South American, European players to come in. They will become a more attractive league to sell players because they're given uh, plenty of Mm -hmm. advantages to having young DPs below the age of 23. Their transfer fees won't hit the salary cap. There's there's a lot of things that are basically in place for uh, giving 
teams the uh, incentive of bringing younger, stronger, better players. The Sounders are a good team to play for because uh, Garth pretty much has made it a point not to stand in the way. Mm-hmm. If you, you want to go abroad, yep. I will help you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Henry Wingo is, is out Wingo. abroad, right? Uh, we, are, we are coming towards the end of our allotted time this evening, uh, but definitely want to thank Nico for, for talking with us. Also want to give you the opportunity to hype what you're doing this year. I know you're uh, working on a new project that I, I'm working on with you too and it's, it's right. kind of exciting uh talk about what you're what you're hoping to accomplish this year with pulso sports network well we have a lot of things going on uh pulso sports network uh our one of our mo's is to defy the coverage we want to bring you guys things that you you don't see often mm-hmm. uh flavor and soccer sawari football is one of our most uh exciting and popular segments uh in which we take a player uh or a figure uh, athletic figure to uh a restaurant down in uh magnolia uh, okay pink salt and we Ooh. sit them down we uh, have a one-on-one with them uh as we talk they are brought in a dessert Ooh. a uh, uh entry and I mean, i'm sorry a appetizer and entry and we finalize with, with, with the dessert and throughout the time we just talk exactly all right and and you kind of just bring that uh person individual into just giving you uh some personal talk and food opens people up like and food not as much as alcohol so we so so we've had (laughs) you know alcohol might be part of it you know we just don't advertise it but yeah you got to lubricate these guys we've had raul Ridiaz, we've had roman torres uh celia from uh the uh, rain and soon we're probably going to have chris henderson uh along with us oh god so you, I, it'll it'll be great can it uh basically what we want to do is uh bring you guys things that you, we don't see often we also have uh weekly psn which of course uh, uh my, my guy steven here's helping us steve here's helping us uh accomplish uh because he's the a tech quiz and uh, that's going to be just a weekly show, which we're able to talk about all things Sounders, uh, NFL, whatever you want, sports-wise. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. It feels like what you're hoping to do and is really bring the experience uh, uh, in the Western Hemisphere yes. north to the English-speaking population and, and, and establish and explore what that culture looks like and 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 invite folks into it absolutely in many ways both in the bilingual aspect mm-hmm. as in we uh make sure to translate and, and subtitle a lot mm-hmm. of our uh interviews uh, as well as like you said just that culture part of uh sharing that with mm-hmm. our audience so absolutely i think that's a big part of what we want to do is uh, bring those communities together connect bridges between us and the audience so absolutely is what we want to do uh we want to uh cover things that don't typically get covered mm-hmm. uh tacoma defiance mm-hmm. the rank all of those teams that don't get enough coverage we want to do that so that's basically uh what we have going on at pulse sports network that's very exciting so look for that in the next uh month or so uh probably have a pilot out absolutely okay 100 percent. and, and I mean, we have our channel now go ahead and subscribe our youtube channel pulse sports network uh you can follow us as well as in facebook twitter we're all over we have a lot of interesting stuff going on we're gonna just push all the limits and, and give you guys the best coverage uh, mr nico moreno at el rolo nw yep on the twitter uh, absolutely wonderful to see you uh, once again. Uh, looking forward to this partnership, and we're also looking forward to seeing you and talking with you 
in this incredibly successful season that we anticipate is going to happen this year. Uh, uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, 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 out of your uh, family and your other commitments to, to speak with us, and can't wait to have you again. No, thank you, uh, Steve, Tim. Uh, you guys are, you know, brothers, so I appreciate you guys bringing me on, and uh, always uh, happy to join you guys at any moment in time. You guys know that I, I like your style. You guys always treat me well, and yeah, I can't complain, so appreciate y'all. Love what you're trying to do, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, Tim Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us once again uh, on the show. I think you've missed two shows ever, and you are at Muffin Top Model on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I, of course, am Steve Kettleson. You can find me at Podfish on Twitter, floundersbteam.com forward slash podcast feed. Uh, just go to floundersbteam.com or channel253.com where you can join. Uh, you can become a member for $4 a month or $40 a year, get invited to special Channel 253 events with a Tacoma focus, a civic focus, have great conversations with people that are trying to make positive things happen in Tacoma. Uh, uh, go to channel253.com uh, forward slash membership and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, once again, Steve Kettleson, Tim Hamilton, Nico Moreno. That's right. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you to Barbecue Chicken uh, here in Tequila, Washington. Uh, next to the Ramada Inn. Thanks so much for hosting us and have a wonderful week. And we are out of here. This is Channel 253.